It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to What Culture Gaming. I'm Scott, joined by Josh. Hello, Scott. Josh, a friend, let's have a bit of a bant about EA because there's a couple of things worth touching on in regards to the fallout from just what just happened with Anthem, um, i.e. Anthem being canned by EA after a sort of a year of potentially revamping it, trying to still do their games as a live service type thing. Um, and in the fallout from that, there's two things that I think are worth touching on. Uh, yeah. One being an interview with IGN with their chief officer, uh, chief officer, chief studios officer, uh, Laura Meal, and another thing from Jason Trier over on Bloomberg. Um, that both just sort of confirm that internally they've had a bit of a rethink as to the many mistakes they've made across the last few years. Um, so the first thing to talk about is the IGN interview uh, is Laura Meal, um, who says that in her first hundred days since becoming the chief studios officer, um, she's the person who helped. She literally sat down with all the uh, game developers and studio heads and just said look what do you guys want to do like what do the fans want what do you guys think is best for the brand um, and apparently from that initial meeting she was able to get um, she's the reason the Battlefront 2 got completely turned around um, okay. by letting them sort of focus on the DLC and the different content packs and everything and um, the Mass Effect Trilogy remake also came from this um, the Command and Conquer remaster and Skate 4 uh, being allowed to exist apparently all came from these sorts of meetings um, and she does say that with um, the Skate the new dev team that's making Skate 4 they wanted to call them full circle um, because she says we want wanted to make sure that we were going to become full circle, that EA become, you know, go full circle. Um, yeah. Which to me, it feels like a reference to the 2000s EA back when they were putting their money in, you know, the likes of the Lord of the Rings games or the James Bond games or even the Simpsons game, where they weren't just sort of, you know, monetizing the living hell out of everything left, right yeah. and center. Um, and so in amongst all this stuff um, is a comment on Titanfall 3, because the overall sort of uh, mandate from Meal is that, uh, you know, she wants to make sure that the power within the company goes to the game devs, that they're not being, you know, told to implement different um functionalities and things that aren't going to work for the brands themselves. So um, with Titanfall, um, she says that Respawn are the ones to determine what the future holds for Apex and Titanfall. Um, she says she doesn't believe in directing or telling games teams what to create. It has to come from the player community and the inspiration and motivation of developers. Um, and she also um, mentions that Anthem was essentially, you know, can uh, IGN said that the timing of the interview was like a day before the official announcement. Um, but yeah. she does mention that Anthem was ultimately canned because Bioware were just better served focusing on Mass Effect and Dragon Age. Um, there's something to be said about Dragon Age as well from the Shrya interview, but what do you think of all of this stuff so far? Well, it's funny, Scott, because when I was first um, kind of reading it, or I saw the headlines circulating. I just I didn't buy it because you know <laughs> that's that's my own fault because I'm yeah. so entrenched in the fact that oh, it's it's EA, EA will never change. <clears throat> when you actually dive into it, and you see the changes that have been made. Mm -hmm. It does give you a bit of hope because all of the stuff you just mentioned there, like these games getting greenlit, putting the developers 
own creativity first over trying to mandate, you know, live services or monetization aspects. Like all of that is good. You could mm. argue that's what they should have been doing from the start, but at the yeah. same time, like you've got to recognize that this is a step in the right direction. And hopefully it does result in a future where you know, we get really good games from these really great studios and hopefully EA uses these studios mm -hmm. in a way that kind of just does them justice because there's been so many times where they've picked someone up, a really talented developer, and we've just had to kind of watch them languish, become a shell <laughs> of them, form ourselves, and then eventually, mm -hmm. you know, get shut down. So these steps that are currently in place, you know, like green lighting skate, which I was so excited about that, I just spat all over my screen. <laughs> uh, I, like that would never have happened like what, four or five years ago or anything like that, no. that would be more or less inconceivable. But the fact mm -hmm. that studios are getting made to create games like that, the fact that we're going to um, return to what the devs want to do, whether that's single player games or multiplayer games or whatever, all sounds like a good big win for me. Of course, I'm going to be cautious, but at the same time, secretly hopeful. Well, yeah, same. I mean, the, the other thing to throw in is um, if you want like an example of the, I'm not going to call them the old EA yet because we're yet to see how things go. There's obviously, I yeah. mean, it mentioned also in this report is the general attitude towards uh, FIFA and Madden and just saying that, look, if they want to implement different changes for those games and um, because of the size of those games, like the, the reality of game developments and everything else, she says that, you know, uh, if anything's going to change with the likes of FIFA and Madden, it'll take three, it'll take at least like three years for those things to just be implemented. Um, but she does say that they do have new members, uh, new team members that are looking into different ways to make those games and um, it's all very hovering around the idea that you know ea's been a bit naff for a long time yeah um, and they used to be better and let's try and get back to that and so like she does sort of like yeah hover around those general sentiments and just say that look we're trying to sort of you know come full circle get better and go back to how things were um the other thing to mention um is the the report from jason trier over on bloomberg and um, which came out after the anthem thing um, in talking about Dragon Age and that, um, you know, that game apparently, Dragon Age 4 apparently started development back in 2015. But in 2017, that was when EA stepped in and told Bioware that they wanted a multiplayer component and wanted it to, as is re um, referred to internally, um, it became Anthem with Dragons, um, which <laughs> that made uh, Michael Aidlaw, the creative director, just leave. He was just like, well, screw yeah. this. This obviously sucks, which it did, which it sounded like it did. Um, and so that was the that was the the mandate two years in was literally EA doing an EA and stepping in. Um, but the new report from Shire, or at least part of that, um, says that recently um, EA have also have now gone back to Bioware and just said, actually, we don't need that. Uh, don't do the multiplayer thing because Anthem completely tanked. Um, and they've hung that decision on the fact that uh, Anthem went south and that Jedi Fallen Order, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, uh, yeah. still sold 10 million copies, even though it was a dedicated single player game. So um, they're literally just sort of sitting back and going like, we've got everything wrong. And we, I mean, <laughs> we as the people who play these things and who have been watching them, everybody at home and everything else, knew this was the case from day one and the yeah. anthem was never going to work and something like Jedi Fallen Order was always going to go down more positively. Um, yeah. But it's good, it's good to see alongside the internal you know, changes from the likes of Laura Meal that they seem to be at least acknowledging the terrible stuff. And thank God, Scott, because I mean, we were talking well, yesterday whenever the news broke about Anthem and we did the video on it, we were mm. saying, you know, will EA actually learn anything from this when it comes to how they manage Bioware going forward? Mm -hmm. And this, more or less, is a big fat yes that says hi right, <laughs> look um if, if bioware doesn't want to do live service multiplayer elements or include them in mass effect or dragon age we're not going to make them do it and we can yeah. go back to you know what i think the fans ultimately want which is a single player focused story driven dragon age game a single player focused story driven um mass effect game not that there can't be multiplayer elements of course if that's the if that's what the developers are passionate about but the fact that these things aren't mandated from 
you know, the, the start from the mm. top down or whatever. Like, that's ultimately a good thing. And I think the two games that are pointed out, you know, Jedi Fallen Order and Anthem, you know, the success of the former and the complete disaster of the last of the <laughs> latter, like, that is, that is so telling. The, like, 10 million copies for a game, like, that is really good going. And the fact mm-hmm. that EA didn't expect Jedi Fallen Order to sell that well, despite the fact that everyone seemed to be so hyped to finally play a single-player Star Wars game and it's what yeah. they were asking for for, like, seven years, kind of shows you a little bit how out of touch with their fans well, and their audience that they actually were. But at least people... You know, we talk so much about voting with your wallet and stuff. People actually did that here. Mm. No one bought Anthem. Everyone bought Jedi Fallen Order. And that ultimately forced EA, I suppose, to take notice and be like, ah, mm-hmm. okay, so this is what we should have been doing. <laughs> it's just, like, it's just, it's so obvious. I get the, if you're in their shoes, let's take the, the business person's point of view of just saying like, well, you know, this formula sells. Uh, hey, look, Destiny's doing it. We should do our version of that. Let's make Anthem that. Let's make every game that. Let's do games as a service, left, right, and center. How much money will that make? You know, high fives all around. But the sheer <laughs> reality of just, I don't know, I always come back to the fact that I think a gaming uh, audience, a gaming demographic is one of the most learned audiences out there. I mean, it's not like mainstream audiences don't reject, you know, really uh, marketed spreadsheet toss in movie form as well. But I think that yeah. mo- like gamers get vocal as hell about this stuff. And, you know, we said in the other video that, like, everybody has a friend who plays games who tells you to stay away from a certain thing. And I think once that momentum has taken hold, then it, it is going to have an effect eventually. And these yeah. nakedly soulless, business-minded moves are not going to work long-term. Um, and clearly haven't, and I'm always glad of that. Um, you mentioned the whole thing about them being so out of touch. It was only, I think, 2011, 2012-ish when they said that single-player games are dead. Um, yeah. When they were just like, oh, no, everybody wants multiplayer. And that's, like, <laughs> that's totally the way that it's going to go. And it's like, no, like, I understand Dude. that the people at the top are older and they don't necessarily get the medium. They have to look at it from a, from a stepping back and look at the statistics and what worked and let's focus on that. But they could not be more wrong so I many know. times in a row. One of my favorite things, or slash worst things about the entire gaming industry is when people just like tell us things like single right. player games are dead. No one wants to play them. And it's like, <laughs> have you got any got any sources for that, my friend? Like, yeah. where, where are you getting this from? Just because you're telling you're us this thing it. doesn't mean that it's real. It might be something you want to become real, but it doesn't mean that it's real in the moment. And I think mm-hmm. we've seen that reflected in a pretty difficult fight back against it over like the past few years. But when it comes to like the live service stuff, I always think, you know, whether it's EA, whether it's Square Enix, whoever, there's always like some arrogance to it it's like yeah right. we can make so much money from live service um games but that's like me saying well i could make so much money if i just made an avengers movie you know what i mean if i could yeah. just make a just superhero movie on that scale and it's like but how am i going to get from point a to b there's more <laughs> than just saying i want to do that you know mm-hmm. what i mean like there are lots of steps you have to go through first and foremost you have to create a compelling game that the developers want to make and that fans want to play and that's mm-hmm. always the two key pillars that get lost in this whole conversation. It seems every single time this happens is that executive A goes, look, live service games make billions of dollars. We want a live service game. And then they skip to the end. You know what I mean? Without mm-hmm. doing the work in the middle or at least getting well, the ducks in the road like, to make that. What the but, Avengers felt like. It was just sort of like mm-hmm. you had this immaculate art department, you know, like the obviously the really good character performances, voice actors and everything, incredible cast, but just completely fell down in regards to like, adding those monetizable elements because they were so unwanted. You could feel the game actively rejecting them, like it just got in the yeah. way of everything else. And I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I'm here for EA sort of going like, look, we've had, we've had a bit of a laugh, but let's just sort of like knuckle down and actually do projects that people do want to play. Like you said, it's like 
even the be- even the games that have like a strong will from beginning to end, like God of War, um, still didn't come together till the final couple of months of development. Um, and even that had everybody, you know, pulling in the same direction with zero outside interference, other than you know a couple of sort of um, Sony people who checked in on, on that development and just said, "What are you guys doing with Kratos?" But it all worked out in the end. And I think yeah. that it's like a miracle that anything comes together anyway, let alone outside yeah, forces definitely. saying you've got to crowbar this in. The thing is, yeah. um, to sort of like round it all out, um, you know, there's no mention of Andrew Wilson in any of this report. He's the dude who initially spearheaded the whole loot box thing at the end of the 2000s, which obviously went on to dominate their business, uh, you know, directives going forward. Um, that has obviously now backfired. So I kind of wonder how much, what his input is, like whether he sort of learns from that, um, you know, do they still want to do aggressive monetization or do they then pull the other way? Cause that's the way that things are leaning. Um, and in regards to Dragon Age 4 specifically, because the, all the multiplayer stuff has been taken out, does that then elongate that game's development even more? Because they yeah. apparently have been working on multiplayer components for over three years now. So I don't know, like, I guess like, where do you see the balance going? Cause it's not like EA is not gonna make a lot of money. They're gonna have to try and find well, a way it. to balance I mean, the two. Yeah, just because they're saying this doesn't certainly doesn't mean that live service <laughs> games aren't going to come out from EA or that you know games aren't going to have potentially aggressive monetization in them. It's mm. just a small win that that's no longer a blanket thing. Hopefully, this is like they're not lo- no, they're going to be no longer going into studios like Bioware or whoever and saying like give us this FIFA, give us FIFA, give us Ultimate Team. You know what I mean? Mm. They're going to allow studios to play to their strengths, and in some cases that will be live service experiences. And in other cases, it absolutely will not I'm, i don't want to you know just like declare victory right now and be like no. right this is good now actually and things <laughs> are going to be great from now on it's obviously mm-hmm. going to continue to be a process but in terms of you know shifting a massive massive ship like ea it is you know it's a it's a it's a promising front and i think like dragon age in particular yes probably will take a few extra years in the oven mm-hmm. now and will take um, a little longer to make, but at the same time, hopefully that will result in a better game and ultimately a game that the fans actually want. It does mm-hmm. make me feel bad for all of the creatives that have jumped ship on that project over the years, though, because they didn't like the, the approach and the focus. Mm-hmm. And now I bet they're like, oh, man, come on, you do this now? Seriously? Like, I know, after all I mean, the battles we tried to fight? Like, Casey Hudson came back. Um, I wonder if like someone like, like Mike Laidlaw would come back. Um, Mm -hmm. because like the terrain has just changed enough where it's like he can't actually execute on the vision of the sequel that he wanted to do Um, it's so cute I mean all those projects like Mass Effect like you know it has lost its its lead creatives and it's like well what the hell is that going to look like going forward I guess like uh, Mac Walters is still there but Drew Carpenter and Casey Hudson they've left Um, the one thing I want to know is if if anybody was sitting in that initial executive meeting with Laura Meal who represented Simpsons Hit and Run because where the living hell (laughs) is that game if they want to greenlight something for the fans just, just put it out just put it out in HD it's not hard just up it as the pc mods have already done that i'm not saying that that's the end game of this whole enterprise <laughs> but i'm also not not saying that's got to open i'm also I'm not saying gonna lie, right that is okay. literally the turning point if you want to talk about declaring victory <laughs> victory is declared the day that ea release a new version of simpsons hit and run we're putting okay. that on the table um, we'll but yeah refer back to this yes definitely um, let's know what you think down in the comments below do you trust ea to stick to any sort of goodwill mandate going forward or is this just a temporary thing in a sea of sludge for now i've been scott from whatculture.com I've been Josh from whatculture.com. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.